As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Steelers Outpost Podcast, April 30th, 2018, episode 35. We are coming to you recorded on Sunday. We usually do this Monday night, but we just could not hold back. There's too much to talk about. We've been waiting weeks for the draft. It's finally happened. We have a lot to talk about. So we're going to publish the show on Sunday, but don't get used to it. We do not have time for this. Every Sunday, we will be doing this mostly on Monday nights, publishing then. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, joined by Nick, as usual, from the Houston Outpost. Hello, Nick. Hello. I'm ready to get into it. I'm pumped. I know. I know. You've got to pull back. I know that you're very excited to have a lot of information. We've been studying this for the last 24 hours. Yes. So I just need to say, having uh, when the heat of the emotion overcame me, I thought that Steelers had adopted a new strategy, which was de-emphasizing winning. Oh, Bold. Somebody should have played me a song off of a off of a boombox after we drafted Mason Rudolph, which basically concluded the first you know three rounds of picks. And that song should have been "Heat of the Moment." Nick is overreacting because I was upset, like Steelers Nation, and I'm not exactly in agreement with what the Steelers did, particularly when it comes to that quarterback stuff. Um, but now that we've had some time to digest the draft, there's some really positive things about the guys we drafted and there's some negative things about the overall strategy. So we'll get into all that, but I will admit that I was almost catatonic while it was happening. And I don't even know if you can go through a draft without that happening. It's just the nature of players. There are a lot of permutations. And in fact, we do not have much information Pro Football no. Focus, all the mock drafts, everything you read, Ian Rapapapaport, mostly lies. <laughs> so where are you getting information? We don't interview these guys. We don't have access to medical reports. No. We don't know about their background. So we trust Steelers Outpost trusting Kevin Colbert to some extent. Yeah, well, less now than we used to, but we do, and we trust our own film study. So getting more into that, and we'll keep giving it to you guys. But let's get this thing so rolling. Our, our thoughts are evolving. So we are a little more positive than we were on Thursday, certainly Friday. Definitely. Yeah, so I guess there's three big themes. I just want to hit you guys with what you were probably thinking. I assume if you're anything like me, <clears throat> I think the big national narrative is, number one, the shocker of drafting Terrell Edmonds, the safety out of Virginia Tech, the brother of Mr. Alien Man himself, inside linebacker Tremaine Edvin, uh, Edmonds, excuse me, the shocker of drafting this guy in the first round. Yes, he plays safety, which is a position of need, but he plays strong safety, which we have about eight of already on the team. We needed a free safety, and not a single person in America 
maybe even the world, had this guy as a first-rounder in their mock draft. So really good player. He was definitely on the radar, but it was shocking seeing the Steelers get him in the first round. So that was probably the, that's the first thing that happened. Number two, which to me was sealed after the third round because after that, you know, you don't know how much these players are going to contribute, but it held truth about all seven rounds. The Steelers drafted not one, not two, not three, but zero inside linebackers in the whole draft, which is beyond shocking. Okay, crazy. So that's big theme number two. Everybody knows that. And number three is why did we select a quarterback? It just did not seem pertinent this year to get a guy who's not going to play for eight years, which is what I assume Ben will probably continue on for winning a minimum of three to six Super Bowls. But either way, Terrell Edmonds, shocker, no inside linebackers, and for some reason drafting a player that's not going to play for four years. Those are the big things. Another another strategy is materializing as I look at the Steelers roster, and it's eight, count them, eight strong safeties. I see the Steelers playing dime, dime if not quarter the entire season. Perhaps dollar. more than 70%. Perhaps dollar. We will have a nose tackle and we'll have 10. We can't do 10 safeties, but we can get eight safeties on the field at this okay. point. I can still leave Joe Hayden on the field. We'll pick who who, who sticks around. If you're the Steelers, they'll pick Tyler Matakavich because apparently they're pretty high on him because he's going to be the top backup all year since they didn't uh, draft an inside linebacker. But Dirty anyways, red. yeah. Let, so hey, the question I have, huh? Oh, I, I so was just going to have this. <laughs> Jake's. Yeah, I'm not going to cut that out. That that's uh, that amuses me. But I, no, my question is whether whether or not we overpaid for anybody. Because when you look at Terrell Edmonds, he was Pro Football Folks' 19th rated uh, safety, certainly. Huh. And there were some weird. The guys that we rated, I believe, when you look at the analysis we did of the safeties, he doesn't appear on that list. And four of the five guys were still available to us. Now, of course, there are stories. Yeah. As I said at the beginning of the show, we don't know the full story. But you can't tell me that one of those five guys wouldn't have been uh, better to pick up than Terrell Edmonds. So we'll talk a little bit about more whether we overpaid. Well, I will say that I wish that I had had Terrell Edmonds on the list. And I think I mentioned that in an episode after or maybe it was off air. But I said that was the one guy that I wish I had gotten to go over. And there are some reasons for why he got drafted in the first round. And there were rumors that he was kind of flying up draft boards. And it sounds like it wasn't – it's not – totally sure that we would have been able to get him in the second round where we got him but like i said we'll get more into him in the Steelers selection of him later on in the podcast i'll give you a little preview now i do really like the player and i would have loved to get him in the second round i've been ecstatic but it does seem a little strange that we got him in the first round so the question still remains but um, I will say one thing before we, we move on. Justin Reed was the big guy, the safety from Stanford, the Cardinal, the tree guys, whatever the hell their mascot is. We were all talking about Justin Reed or Sean Evans, the inside linebacker from Alabama, being the Steelers pick. Everybody's in an up uproar because Justin Reed was still available on the board, seemed like a slam dunk pick. When we picked Terrell Edmonds, this dude was still there. Well... Like you alluded to earlier, we don't have all the information that the NFL teams have. 
And I get the feeling that there's some information on him, whether it's off the field stuff or on on the field, I don't know, that we don't have because he lasted all the way until the third round. It's not like Justin Reed got picked up a few picks later. I mean, this guy was a consensus first-round pick, and he didn't get picked to the third. So something tells me that he was not an option. And this guy, Terrell Edmonds, is very similar to Justin Reed in a lot of ways. He happened to play through a pretty severe injury to his shoulder the entire season, and that may be what made him him drop. So it's looking better, but it still is weird. So you would say, uh, if you looked at that first-round pick, that the Steelers followed their modus operandi. I don't buy that we get the best athlete available, but I do see that we like them young, we like the underclassmen, and we like the elite athleticism, and that is what you get in Terrell. Yeah, and I guess that's what he's pointing out. It's like it, it's, it was an unobvious pick because nobody predicted it in the national media or Pittsburgh media or anybody, but in a way, the Steelers tell you what they're going to do. <laughs> They said they didn't like the inside linebackers in this draft. They didn't get an inside linebacker. They always draft these underclassmen who have elite athleticism. That's what Terrell Edmonds is. Although what I like about him more is that he's not quite as raw as an Artie Burns or a Bud Dupree were coming out. And he, he wasn't getting enough credit for that. So they they definitely they don't buck the trend. I mean, like four of the guys – that we drafted, we previewed for those guys. So the Steelers make it easy for you to figure out who they're going to draft. So now that you've had a night and a day to incubate on this, and as they say in the Big Chill, as they said in the Big Chill, a movie you probably didn't see, nope. you sometimes need to let art flow over you. How do you feel about the draft now that you've had time to think about it? There are two sort of fundamental truths that I hold to be self-evident about the Steelers draft. Number one, is that the 2018 Steelers roster, at least on paper, is not as good as the 2017 version. And that to me is concerning. I think that's concerning to all the fans. I, I definitely think a lot of this revolves around the selection of a quarterback and forfeiting you know, a pick that could have been used on someone else. I know that's a third-round pick, so that guy's not expected you know, exactly to be a star or anything. You'd be a little naive if you thought that. But out of the guys you drafted – Washington, the receiver in the second round, is the only guy who's really predicted to be a starter, if you will. And he's not even really a starter. It's a third wide receiver. But you drafted a lot of guys who are not going to see the field. Now, Terrell Edmonds is going to see the field. Is that going to be as the starting safety? I don't know. I mean, he'll definitely be in those dime packages, which we've been talking about a lot. But you drafted a bunch of people who are not making the team better. And the loss of Martavis Bryant, to me, is significant. That adds into this whole draft strategy that not only did you not pick up starters, but you lost a starter and you've lost a lot of not only the talents of of Martavis, but what he provides in terms of depth. So now everybody else has to move up. We have a receiver with a torn ACL and Eli Rogers. And we have a a rookie you're, you're looking to put in there. So when I look at it, you got no Shazier who's a superstar and you got no Martavis. So your depth is suffering in all the positions. This roster is not better than last year. And I don't know how you think you're going to get a different result. Okay. I guess the Steelers are really banking on the fact that these defensive players are going to improve, which of course happens. The Steelers have been developing talent for a long time, but you have not seen good signs from the main guys these past few years. And Artie Burns, Sean Davis, Bud Dupree. Those are really the three big names. And on offense, you have no depth at running back. Or wide receiver. You're really banking on health for that kind of thing. So that 
that's what disappoints me about this draft. That being said, I really like the talent of every single player they drafted. I like the players. I just don't like the game. No, I like the game too. The players, everybody they drafted, it's interesting because they fit the Steelers' mold in terms of the athleticism and the upside and all that stuff. But I think they focused more this year on getting guys who are versatile, who can do different things. So, for example, James Washington, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State, is a deep threat. He was literally the best deep threat in the nation in college the past few years. That's what he was brought in to do. The Steelers always have to have their run straight guy, whether it was Mike Wallace, even Sammy Coates did it for a while, and then obviously Martavis Bryant. Well, we're going to plug Martavis, or we're going to plug in Washington now. But he's a little more versatile. He's not just a run fast guy. He's actually not quite as fast as those other dudes, but he uses his body well. He catches well. um, Terrell Edmonds, he, a lot of people are saying he can't play free safety. That is blatantly false. I think that rumor is going to get dispelled soon. He played safety most of his his uh, second to last year in college, free safety that is, and he plays strong safety. He can do a lot of different types of things. Obviously, they got a running back later who can play tight end and H back and all kinds of things. So, I like all the players. I just dislike the fact that I, you know, Steelers are just going to rely on player development that hasn't happened to make them better. Well, it seems to I know me that was that, a rant. Oh. Sorry. Well, Washington can plug in for for Mortavis. I'm looking at Mortavis' numbers. Obviously, he missed an entire season. He has a few long receptions. Last year, uh, 50 receptions total. So it can't I, just be know, numbered in but, stats, though. I mean, like when he's on the field, they have to play over top of over top of Martavis. And Washington, I think, could be a really good receiver, but nobody would ever make the argument that he has more potential. I mean, Martavis... If he could ever fulfill that potential, who knows if that it, that's ever going to happen? Pretty doubtful, honestly. He could be a Randy Moss type guy based on the this, the just the God given talents he has. And then the thing with Washington is like I feel like you would have gotten a Washington regardless whether you have Martavis here or not, right? The, now the thing is like argument, I, that's overpaying. Uh, but I'm saying that Martavis, you know, all we do uh, ever talk about is his potential. I mean, he had a great 2015. And that's when everything started, all expectations started rising. He had, had 765 yards. He had a great yard. He had a great season, uh, suspended in 2016, angry a lot of t- 2017. So you, potential gives you nothing, you know? So I, I'm actually, I'm fine with him going. And they got a little bit, they got a little bit of value for him. Uh, who knows what he'd have been like and what his attitude would have been like this last year. So Washington, so do you think I'm not, I'm is not Washington giving, an I'm upgrade not, over Martavis? No, not an upgrade, but I, I just don't think we're going to notice the difference. I, I'm going well, to assume that Washington plays early. He he has to. But here's what I'm saying. Now that you don't have Martavis, whether it's Martavis or X, you know, Z starting wide receiver somewhere else, what look what just happened to our depth chart from losing Martavis. And that's what I'm looking at it more from the perspective of, yeah, you, you have Juju and AB. Martavis is the third horse, but now – Behind Washington, you literally don't have any wide receivers because I'm not considering Darius Hayward Bay a receiver. I'm not considering four-catch Justin Hunter a, a viable option to start a wide receiver either. And Eli Rogers, who I love and I would love to see him get healthy and, and get back on field, that guy tore his ACL in the last game of the season. So right now we talked all offseason about how we liked – we really liked the signings of John Bostic at inside linebacker and Morgan Burnett at safety 
because they took two positions that were in a red alert. We don't even have a viable starter on the team to getting guys who you could plug in. We never said they were stars, but at least you don't have like Tyler Medikevich as your starter or Sean Spence or whatever, you know, happened in last year's playoffs. Okay, cool. Now you don't have any glaring needs. Well, you sort of almost just opened up another glaring need with that wide receiver thing, with letting Martavis go now. I know they got a lot more for him than they thought they would, but it just makes me nervous the fact that if if Juju or AB misses one game, like your receiving core goes from great to terrible. Yeah, we've seen what when that happens. Yeah. We've seen what happens when that happens. Yeah, it's no good. So overall, if you're looking at the draft, um, no weirdos like last year, long snapper or anything like that. Everybody's yeah, sort of, no. I mean, you could, <laughs> you could actually see, you know, offensive tackle. I, I have a question about, but okay, I guess we need to, to line ourselves up there. Wait, the Marcus Allen pick. I'm not, I'm not sure why you, why you want to bulk up on safety so much, but it's not a weird pick tight end. Okay. But the tight end, the, the, the problem I have with the tight end is that he's not a tight end though. I'll, I'll stop you before you get there. Uh, yeah, he's an H, he's, he's a running uh, back. Wait, it's a Swiss army knife. Okay. Yeah, he's a Swiss Army knife. That's the way to put it. So, so what do, what does he bring? He, he's sort of a jack of all trades, uh, master of none. And then we picked up the guy from Alabama. I have no idea how he played at Alabama. Played fewer he's than eighteen. Josh Fraser. We broke him down. We predict everyone predicted he would get drafted because Carl Dunbar was his coach at Alabama. Now he's the coach on the Steelers. Josh Fraser. I know I can make him better. He's, got, he's a um. He's a space eater. He's basically there to try and push Daniel McCullers to get him better. Jalen Samuels is the H-back from NC State. He had something like 49 college touchdowns. He is a touchdown robot programmed to come to the league and score touchdowns. I actually love the Marcus Allen draft pick, the safety from Penn State. Um, because if they drafted him earlier, I would have been horrified because we broke him down for you guys earlier as well. He's a safety from Penn State. He has either one or zero interceptions in his whole Penn State career. Like, you're not really a safety, are you, dude? But he is a great run stopper, and he is going to be a special team stud. I'm calling him right now. He's actually an upgrade over Robert Golden. So pretty cool you could see him be a special teams beast for the next few years. And I guess what we're trying to say about that there's no weird players this year is like there's no five foot four Senquez Golson or um you know, even Bud Dupree only started at one year at his position. No Dre Archer, Gerard Holman, guys who didn't couldn't even stay on the roster or anything like that. But either way, the quality of the players are really solid, but the being able to predict how they're going to be able to contribute, there, there's not really a lot of even room for them to contribute. So that's just a little frustrating. But honestly, sometimes how that, that's how the draft board falls. After Rashawn Evans left, uh, was picked off the board by the Tennessee Titans, who traded up to get above us to take him in the first round, man, there weren't there were slim pickings there. So I think they actually, at the end of the day, when you look back at what happened to Justin Reed falling to the third round, the safety from Stanford, I think they actually picked the best safety on the board and they took what was available to them. I just don't like the quarterback signing. That's the one that I have a big problem with. All right, so let's move to the quarterback signing. That It's not weird, but he does look like he is um, from Back to the Future from 1955, if you looked at his picture on our website, McFly. Played. So Mason Rudolph, 6'5", 235. you got to be Why a millennial at least. <laughs> He's a Paul well, Bunyan he's type. Re- he's like Ben without the arm. He's reincarnated. 
Yeah. So the question is, he bumps he bumps uh, Josh Dobbs, doesn't he? Well, we're going to find out. It, it actually, I mean, they said they gave him a first-round grade. So these type of dudes, they play early, right? I mean, he maybe they want to save a couple million on Landry. You know, I guess he's going mm. to – it makes the Josh Dobbs selection look even worse from last year. So we'll see how it goes. But I could see it being Landry or Dobbs. Just to save money? Who knows? I don't know. Give it to Le'Veon. Give him the two million. We just go Wildcat because uh, who is our guy who played Wildcat? Jalen oh, Samuels. Jalen Samuels. Right. We got a Wildcat, so we can afford. Anyways, to go we're getting we're getting in the weeds here. Do we want to do like a a just a quick little blurb on each player? We'll get more into this as, as the week goes on, guys. We just wanted to give you our initial reactions, which clearly we're still sorting through. But you know, that was my overall opinion of the drafts you're not getting a lot of guys who can help you now but i do like all the players and there's no weirdos in here right all right well i'm going to do something a little unusual we're going to stop from start from the bottom of the draft if i may so people stick around because if we go to the bottom of the draft <laughs> last everybody will fade so let's talk about josh fraser 6'3, 321 Trumper. interior defenseman from alabama never started a game at alabama and as he's i said before he's a backup he wasn't even rated by a pro football focus which is now my Bible, he started, He played fewer than 18% of the snaps. Be careful with that pro football focus. They're, they're a good tool to have, but they're definitely not the source on everything. The fact that they had Terrell Edmonds as the 19th safety is egregious. They're going to be proved wrong on that pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, he's so. a big fatso. We need those fatsos. We need those space eaters. He did not start, but he was the four, he was the first defensive lineman to rotate in his senior year at Alabama and actually played a lot and made a huge jump from his junior year to his senior year. He is like Big Dan McCullers, who's the crappy defensive lineman on our team, who's eight feet tall. And basically their job is going to be to consume people on the offensive line in order to let their friends get through. He could be a good um, depth pick. So. That's your little breakdown on Joshua Frazier. And his defensive line coach at Alabama is now our defensive line coach. So pretty much an obvious connection because he had a visit with the Steelers. The writing was on the wall. This is sort of like an, one of those AAU phenomena where if we get your player, we have to take your dad as our coach. But we took the coach and he gets yeah. a guy from Alabama. Well, let's go. move up to uh, round five. We didn't get a pick in round six. Our... Second round five choice was Jalen Samuels, as we discussed. Six foot, 225. Swiss Army knife out of NC State. Yep. He's a touchdown robot. He had, like like I said, almost 50 freaking touchdowns in college. He actually matches something that the NFL is looking for now. Some people are too scared of the Swiss Army knife. The Tyrone Matthew, the honey badger. You know him from the Cardinals, now he's on the Texans. People get scared of dudes without true positions. Even Troy Polamalu was kind of the first pioneer of that um you see alvin kamara for the saints doing a great job being a sort of wide receiver sort of running back tyree kill is another one well with the way the college's game has gone with all the spreading out and the specialization that we've talked about it's really important to have guys who can do a lot of things and this guy can do a lot of things particularly his red zone prowess which mr rooney marked as um Basically, one of the reasons why Todd Haley got fired because his offense always sucked in the red zone, and hopefully that'll be a point of emphasis under Feetner. This guy could be a weapon there. Is he going to take over for Rosie? No, he's not a fullback. He, he's he's like what you said. He's a he's a Swiss Army knife, but everyone calls him a um, 
a a running back really but he he did everything he played a little full he played tight end he played all kinds of stuff but no there he's not replacing a fifth round pick will not replace the pro bowl fullback excellent all right so our fantastic. first our first moving up the board and our our first pick in round five was marcus allen as we mentioned before he is 6'2", 215. He is a safety out of Penn State. I think you've done a pretty good backup breakdown of him. Yeah, we'll move on from him. He, I think he could be an absolute special team stud. You don't really want him on the field on defense because he's not a safety, but this dude is just a great athlete who clearly really wants to keep his football career going, and his tackling ability and tenacity would will be able to do that, I think. I'm, I'm, I actually really like having him. All right, let's move to our second choice in round three. Chuck Okorafor, 6'6", 320 offensive tackle out of Western Michigan. He, this is actually a crucial signing. So we talked to you guys all about Chris Hubbard last year, our swing tackle. Every team needs something you call a swing tackle, who's a guy who can play right tackle or left tackle or even fill in at guard because over the course of a season, one of those five offensive linemen is going to be out at some time, and you want a guy who can plug in. And the Steelers have had those types of guys for a while. Well, Chris Hubbard last year ended up starting basically half the season because Marcus Gilbert wanted to do HGH or something, and he also got hurt for a little bit. And Chris Hubbard played so well that you didn't even notice the difference when he was in. Chris Hubbard played so well that he actually got a massive contract to start for the Poop Browns over there with Turd Haley in Cleveland. And we need another guy to fill that position. This dude is super talented. I don't know if he's from Africa or just like direct African descent, but he was no, one of those guys who started playing football late. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he's got so much physical talent, but he's a huge project, which usually scares me when you say project and Steelers because those defensive projects never work out. But we have the best offensive line coach in the whole league in Mike Munchak. So it's actually a pretty good pretty good idea. I mean, if he made Alejandro Villa in a wave of work, this, this guy's a great signing. Well, Chuck was from Botswana, and he came here in 2010. Huh. He started playing football Man. last July, so pretty incredible. <laughs> That's looking why at your the kids offense, will never be in the NFL. <laughs> you're looking at the offensive line. I don't know if this is a make-or-break year for Gerald Hawkins, but uh, I think is. Chuck will certainly get a run for his money from Larson Graham, offensive tackle out of Duquesne. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> it's not Graham's not Graham's not in the running. It's Filer and uh, and. Um, and Hawkins. So, I, how yeah, dare you we'll dispute see. my Anyways, analysis? We'll, we'll move on. So, first choice of the most controversial choice, according to Nick, in round three, most Mason Rudolph, classic 6'5", 235 quarterback out of Oklahoma State, finished each of the last three seasons with the second highest grade in the draft class. According to Pro Football Focus, yes, my bobble. That's interesting. <laughs> right, no sacrilege. Oh, here, here. Um, Mason Rudolph does a lot of good things. We broke him down for you guys last week. His only – he has two weaknesses. Let's start with that. He's not overly athletic, but I don't think he gets enough credit for how he shuffles in the pocket. Like I don't need – I mean I, when you're looking for a team, it's like you don't need Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck type of mobility. That's going to set you apart if you get that, but you just at least need – Tom Brady, Dan Marino, Matt Ryan type of mobility where they can at least shuffle around the pocket. Well, from what I've seen, he can do that. So I think that that fair, that knock is maybe overrated. Kind of the same that thing that people were saying about Josh Rosen, right? 
So that's his one knock. He's, he's not athletic. And then the other knock is he doesn't have a particularly strong arm. He has a good arm, but not a great arm. And sometimes you need that in football. And it's not all about throwing, seeing how far you can throw, but it's about being able to throw. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. If you're doing like a sort of paragraph highlighting disco in front of me, but I realize you're just trying to read it. That's okay. I digress. Having a strong arm, ladies and gentlemen who are paying attention, is not about throwing the ball 80 yards down the field. It's about throwing that 12-yard comeback on third and 10 that where the corner is draped all over him. So he doesn't quite have that talent. But otherwise, I compared him to Josh Rosen, and I actually saw a lot of similarities. He's very smooth. He knows how to read the field, and he's super aggressive. He throws the ball down like he throws bombs like every three plays. And you know how much we love that in Pittsburgh. He's not Ben Roethlisberger, but he's definitely got some good traits. Um, I just don't know why you would draft a guy who's not going to see the field for three or four years, and then his contract's going to be up And when you could have used the picks on, on somebody else. But as a quarterback, he does some good things, for sure. Moving up to round two, James Washington's 5'11", 213 wide receiver. His uh, compatriot at a, a compatriot uh, Mason Rudolph's friend from Oklahoma State. His homie. His homie. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's his favorite target. You got it is crazy. two guys on the same team. Maybe that was it's kinda cool. That's pretty cool. Jimmy said, I'm coming under one condition. <laughs> you gotta take my boy. Bring my boy. Mason. Well, one thing I forgot to mention about Mason Rudolph that is very pertinent to the breaking down of James Washington is a lot of people think Mason Rudolph had the best deep ball in the class. Now, I don't totally agree with that. Um, I broke that down last week for you guys. When his deep ball is on, it is gorgeous. And I do think it is the best one. He can just drop those teardrops in there like like run around Sue on a Friday night after everyone's exposed her at the school dance. Just sliding down her cheeks. Just nice. Ooh, right into the outstretched hands. What? Oh, James Washington. Right. So Mason does throw a nice deep ball when it's on, and whenever he throws that deep ball, he throws it to James Washington. This dude is 5'11", and he runs a 4'5". That doesn't scream deep threat. Usually like 6'3", running a 4'4", or 4'3". But something about this dude, it's sort of like Juju, where it's like he's not moving that fast, but he knows how to get downfield, and he catches the ball well with his hands. He boxes people out well. Uh, all the things that Mark Davis and Mike Wallace don't do, just without the – flatline speed this guy has the potential according to randy feetner the feet man to do a lot of different things to block to run underneath routes and everything like that so he's i I really like james washington as as a prospect for the steelers and he's ready to plug and play right now which obviously we need because well maybe uh mason and james will be the future ben ab since and no no nobody ever and the history of the rest of football will be the future bent A-B. So much emotion. All right, so our number one pick, we've talked extensively about Terrell Edmonds, 6'1", 217 safety out of Virginia Tech. Very athletic, uh, good in the box. We've got eight other guys like that, but the question is how much time will he see on the <laughs> field this year? Well, he's definitely going to see the field in those three safety packages, and that's pretty cool. You have some really athletic guys. He can do everything. He is so similar to Justin Reed when you watch him. Honestly, it's interesting that he was overlooked the way he was. And 
the Steelers brass, Tomlin and Colbert, pointed out that's because he played his whole last year with uh, like a sling on his shoulder. He had a brace on his shoulder the whole year. He injured it in training camp and played the whole year with a hurt shoulder. And then after the 10th game, he said, like, I can't even do the same one. I need to get surgery. So in that year, you saw him play a lot of strong safety, a lot of covering tight ends, which obviously we really need, and a lot of covering slot receivers and a lot of supporting the run in the box. And he definitely looks athletic. He's really fast. I think he was 4'4 or something. He timed really well in the 40-yard dash, and he moves well. Um, when you saw him play some free safety, the results were mixed. He like doesn't really get his head around to make those big plays like that you like making the big interceptions and stuff like that. But like we said, he's got good speed and he can get around. But Tomlin pointed out that he actually played mostly strong safety in his last year. And in his second to last year, he played mostly free safety. I think some people are overlooking that. So I'm going to have to go look through that tape and see how he did at free safety because the results were mixed in his last year. But he totally fits the athletic profile. He's got great potential to be a good player. It's weird to see him selected in the first round, but I definitely think he's a good football player and looking forward to seeing what he can do. But to answer your question, there's no way you're plugging him as the starting free safety on day one. So it's a little disappointing, but we'll uh, see how it goes. Scale of 1 to 10, 10 being optimal, 1 being a total bomb. Where do you rate this draft? Six. Six. Giving it a six. Uh, yeah. And, and and mainly it's because I just think that this whole game is about adding trophies to the shelf. And maybe there wasn't maybe they did the best they could do with what with who was available. You know, it's idealistic for us to say you should have gotten an inside linebacker. Well, they tried. Apparently they tried to trade up for Sean Evans and they couldn't get it done. And after that, I would have been angry if they took any other inside linebacker at that point. So Maybe it's not so much about the inside linebacker, and maybe it isn't a six, but uh, I can't give them an eight, and I don't believe in giving sevens in the out of ten scale because that's just a cop out, you know. So I think a four, five, we're six, give them a six for now. Okay. So next week we'll be talking a lot about Dirty Red and how he's going to shore up the inside. But for this, uh, oh yeah, for this podcast, we appreciate you for listening to this show. We do this podcast every week. We even did a day early for you this week because we know you're chomping at the bit to know our insights. We're chomping at the bit to hear from you because uh, we like your insights. We like to know what you want to hear us talking about. So hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on our blog and our website, SteelersOutpost.com, or simply send us an old-fashioned email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. We will be back next week. There's a lot more to talk about how this draft inculcates or integrates with the uh, current roster. So we will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. 
Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.